I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's program, we discuss giant cell arteritis, clinical presentation, and histopathology. The most remarkable finding was that the correlation was very strong. These are criteria that sort of portend to more systemic involvement. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Vicente Diaz declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. You can now get Category 1 CME credit for listening to As Seen From Here. Go to asseenfromhere.com and click on the link marked CME. For right now, you'll need to print the quizzes out and mail them in. We hope to have electronic versions of the quiz available by the end of this year. Big news for iTunes users. You can now get As Seen From Here through iTunes. Go to asseenfromhere.com and click on the iTunes Users link. Then click the subscribe button and you're done. Giant cell arteritis, or temporal arteritis, is a devastating condition which can cause permanent vision loss, cerebral ischemia, and myocardial infarction. Since anterior ischemic optic neuropathy in one eye portends involvement in the second eye in 65% of all patients, often within two weeks, giant cell arteritis is one of the true ophthalmic emergencies. Initial clinical presentation is, however, protean. Symptoms range from depression, malaise, and weight loss to scalp tenderness so severe it interferes with the patient's ability to sleep. Histopathologic findings also vary. Characteristic findings include thickening of the intima, disruption or loss of the elastic lamina, and presence of inflammatory infiltrates, including multinucleated giant cells. Laboratory findings associated with giant cell arteritis include elevated erythrocyte sedimentation rates, C-reactive protein, and serum fibrinogen. However, our approach to these diagnostic tests is a bit black and white. Either the biopsy is positive or it is not. The ESR is elevated or it is not. But does a higher ESR mean more severe pathology? Does the presence of necrosis on biopsy mean that the patient is necessarily more symptomatic? My guest today, Vicente Diaz, has just published results of a study investigating these correlations. I asked him to describe the method of grading symptoms and biopsy findings employed in the study. In creating this score, the first thing that I'd like to point out is that we are trying to grade the severity of biopsies. So these criteria would not be used for diagnosis, so which is a very key distinction to make because as one, if one were to be examining a biopsy slide and just come across giant cells, for example, that would be pathognomonic for the disease and it would be called positive. However, in our study, that wasn't something that received high weight. In fact, that's one of the criteria that received low weight. And the reason is because it simply wasn't correlated with extensive inflammation. It's just, it's a hallmark of the disease, but it really isn't suggestive of more severe inflammation. What uh, One of our co-authors, John Sennard, who's an ocular pathologist, actually had a great deal of input in this. With that being said, uh, the histologic features that, that we included were those that were suggestive of very severe disease, such as 
necrosis of the media, uh, depth of inflammation, basically whether the media was involved, whether the, the adventition was involved, or just the intima, and circumference involved. And then we had one medium-weighted criteria, which was small branch vessel involvement. The other criteria, which were less specific for temporal arteriosclerotic arteritis severity, were fibrosis of the vessel, uh, disruption of the internal elastic lamina, and as I said before, the presence of giant cells. For each of these criteria, we assign points. Generally, it's one for present, zero for not present. And then in, in the case of depth of inflammation and circumference involved and uh, disruption of the internal elastic lamina and for giant cells, we had um, present, extensive, and partial, essentially. So all these points were between zero and one, so as to normalize them. Once you had categorized the histopathological findings by severity, how were you then able to compare them in a quantitative way to the patient's symptoms? And once we had that that point system set up, that's when the weights came in. Those criteria that that were indicative of most severe disease, those points were multiplied by five. Criteria that, that were suggestive of medium severity were multiplied by three. And then non-specific criteria that were less suggestive of severity, those were just simply multiplied by one, and then that those points were all added up to give a composite score. You created a similar weighting system for symptoms too, right? That's correct. Can you explain that? For, for symptoms, we actually, what we did is we, we set it up into three different categories. So the first category, or, or the least severe clinical presentation, was just superficial scalp tenderness or a palpable temporal artery by itself. The level of severity next up from that was when constitutional symptoms were actually present. So that would include fever, weight loss, fatigue, that sort of thing. And then finally, the the third level of severity was when in addition to all of that, there were also actual visual manifestations present. That included diplopia or, or transient visual loss or still present visual loss. You then compared statistically the quantitative score that you obtained from your histopathologic rating system with the quantitative score that you obtained based upon your clinical symptom ranking. Well, exactly. From that point on, we decided to see what the relationship was between the two. Can I have you describe how the study actually worked? Because, as you know, temporal arteritis has a you know, relatively low prevalence we had to go go with a retrospective case series in in order to have uh, enough of a population to study this. We went back to our biopsy excisions that, that we had on file for the past 10 years at Yale New Haven Hospital. And then we, we also were able to pull up their medical records, categorize the, the patient's symptom severity by, by the skill we just discussed for, from what was documented in their medical record. And then each of the available biopsies that, that we had on file were, were then examined 
to give the patient their biopsy severity score. How many patients were involved in this study? We had 37 patients for which we had both the biopsies available as well as the medical record documenting their symptoms. And we also had to remove any patients that were on chronic corticosteroid therapy for other comorbidities, such as polymyalgia rheumatica, which is often associated with arteritis. And what did you find? Did the patient's symptoms and the histopathology correlate? Well, the most remarkable finding was that the correlation was very strong. Uh, using the Spearman's row test, which is the best test indicated for when using when comparing an ordinal value together with a continuous variable, we found that the p-value was less than 0.001. So this is a very strong, significant finding with a low chance of type 1 error. Meaning that there was a very strong correlation between the severity of the patient's symptoms and the severity of histopathologic findings on temporal artery biopsy. Right, right, exactly. So, and so there were several reasons why we postulated that, that these findings exist. We, we went back and we also looked at which of the histopathologic features were actually best correlated with symptom severity. We found that necrosis, circumference involved, and also involvement of the small arterioles were, were, were the criteria that, that were actually most correlated to symptom severity. And that actually makes sense because in terms of that these are criteria that sort of portend to more systemic involvement. I mean, we have to remind ourselves that in biopsying the temporal artery, it's actually a surrogate for what we believe may be happening at the ophthalmic artery, which is really what causes the visual symptoms and really what what, what causes the irreversible changes that we're trying to avoid with temporal arteritis. So you can imagine that findings that, that suggest that the, that the disease would be more disseminated would, would have a higher likelihood of getting to the ophthalmic artery and therefore causing symptoms. That's an interesting point that you make, the, the idea of the temporal artery biopsy serving as a surrogate for the ophthalmic circulation. On, on that same theme, you, you you had seven patients who had bilateral temporal artery biopsies. How well did the biopsy on one side, in terms of its histopathologic severity, correlate with the biopsy on the other side of the same patient? So in, in making that comparison, we used the seven patients for whom we had bilateral simultaneous biopsies performed. And and what we did was we looked at the difference in their biopsy severity scores based on the severity scale that we discussed earlier. And we looked at, at whether the mean difference between the two was significantly above zero. And in our case, the mean difference was 5.1, which is that which is significantly above zero with a p-value of 0.001. So, so we found. So, what this suggests is that that this indeed is a disease that 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 has a very patchy nature to it, and that it doesn't necessarily and that biopsy findings on one side seem to present differently than they would on the other side. Well, given the 
correlation between histopathologic findings and uh, patient symptoms. And given the fact that uh, the biopsy on one side of a patient can be different in severity from the biopsy on the on the other, uh, would you recommend bilateral biopsies? Right. Well, this is actually a very controversial issue. I believe Boyev et al. Uh, from, from Johns Hopkins that wrote a paper on this that was published in Ophthalmology a few years back. And what they found was that there was a 5% increase in positive yield when you do bilateral versus unilateral. So I think what that goes back to is a point that I made earlier in this conversation that we were measuring severity, not necessarily diagnostic features. So while while both you know both sides may may have that you know may have very similar diagnostic criteria. What we really found was that when when you're assessing for severity, that that there can be a pretty significant difference measuring one side to the other. How do your findings compare to those of other investigators? There's actually been um, several papers written in the literature uh, about intracranial ischemic complications and and the the role that that, uh, temporal arteritis might have in that. And and there were... and different authors have actually come up with, you know, differing opinions w- with regard to that. So, some say that there is a correlation, others others report that the opposite. What we found between the degree of, of inflammation observed in temporal arteritis and the presence of intracranial ischemic complications. There's a significant difference in, in the way that many of these studies were done in that most of them use ESR as so erythrocyte sedimentation rates as their marker for for inflammation, whereas we used a more invasive approach, which was to actually look at biopsy specimens that were harvested. And what our article, what our study seems to suggest, is that certainly with more extensive inflammation, we found more visual manifestations, which but you could consider to be due to ischemia, so, since this since that's a pathogenesis that, that we normally associate with those visual manifestations. While we're on the subject of erythrocyte sedimentation rate, uh, did ESR correlate with either the severity of the histopathologic findings on biopsy or the severity of the patient's symptoms? Actually, they did not. Um, they they approached statistical significance. They were 0.09 for erythrocyte sedimentation rates with clinical symptoms, and and I believe this wasn't in the article, but but I believe it was about 0.08 with how they correlated with biopsy specimens. It's been alluded to in the literature before that the ESR, while being a great test and that it's cheap and 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 helpful, isn't the most sensitive test for looking at temporal arteritis. Recent studies have shown that that, uh, that the use of C-reactive protein actually is more sensitive and more specific, especially when using combination with ESR. Uh, another study that, that, that we looked at in preparation for this looked at thrombocytosis, 
as having a higher negative and a higher positive predictive value. So ESR to begin with is a test that, that, that has some problems. And in our study, while it approached a statistical significance, it, it, it did miss it by just a little bit. Based on the results of the study, do you have any recommendations for clinicians? Since this is such a devastating disease that that that, uh, that can have you know dire complications if missed, I, I think one recommendation would would be to really examine the the biopsies or or, or at least re- really have an understanding uh, about w- which features were present on biopsy specimens on on. Uh, on, on slides that were reported positive because they could put, like what our study suggests is that, that that could contain valuable information about the patient's possible prognosis in, in terms of where, where you would expect them to be clinically. There is something that, that's quite interesting that we are in the process of writing up now um, in regards to this paper, and, and that is after this was all um, sent out for publication and whatnot, we decided to go back and look at subgroups for different comorbidities, and there there does seem to be um, some interesting findings there. Uh, specifically, we found that patients that have hypertension as a comorbidity to temporal arteritis have a 70% increased chance of, de- of developing visual manifestations. We thought that was just astounding, and it's something that I guess your listeners should look out for in the medical literature as we continue to explore that. Vicente Diaz, thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. Vicente Diaz performed his research at the Yale New Haven Hospital. He is currently a resident at the New York Downtown Hospital. His paper, Comparison of Histologic Features, Clinical Symptoms, and Erythrocyte Sedimentation Rates in Biopsy-Positive Temporal Arteritis, appears in the July 2005 issue of Ophthalmology. I found it intriguing that histopathology can so closely correlate with patient symptoms. Does it make more sense to describe the degree of positivity of a biopsy rather than simply calling it positive or negative? I decided to pose this question to Floyd Warren, clinical professor and chief of neuro-ophthalmology at New York University. Well, I mean, it's sort of interesting. The part that seemed, I guess, interesting to me is, I guess, that the biopsy might be when, when what they graded as lower, and therefore you might, I guess, possibly interpret, might it be misinterpreted as not positive if you had a patient, let's say, with just headaches. Uh, you know, or it, uh, I think it was headaches or headaches and scalp tenderness, I think they said, where the pathology was at a lower grade, you know, my, my only thought then would be is, gee, if I had somebody where a suspicious, uh, maybe a negative biopsy or an inconclusive biopsy should be, be viewed with a little more suspicion. Beyond that, you know, I, I think it really, well, that matters is, is it positive or not? You know, whether the patient has a lot of symptoms, you know, or mild symptoms, once the biopsy is positive, sort of your course of action is set. So I don't see where it really, you know, changes much. Uh, in some ways, you could argue, well, it makes sense. The more symptomatic you are, the more likely you have more extensive disease, and perhaps the more likely you would get a yield. Floyd, one of the points that Vicente Diaz makes is that the temporal artery biopsy serves, in a sense, as a surrogate for the ophthalmic artery, and that additional clinical information can be gathered by looking at the degree of severity of the biopsy. All I ever go with 
it's positive or negative. I mean, I've never looked at it beyond that. I mean, you know, sometimes the the, bio, the, the pathologist might say, wow, it was floridly positive, or wow, what a great slide to look at. You know, it's totally occluded. But I can't say that, you know, I, I've never looked at it in a methodical say to say, way to say, oh, oh, my patients were, let's say, you know, AIONs, you know, worse than those who have just headache and jaw pain, and I managed to make the diagnosis before, or if they had mild visual loss. First of all, I don't know how you can say necessarily ophthalmic artery. I mean, you don't have a one doesn't have ophthalmic artery. You know, the visual loss with AION is, I would argue, it's short posterior ciliary artery. It's not ophthalmic artery. You can get ophthalmic artery occlusions. It may be central retinal artery. It may, you know, I don't know that you can necessarily say it's ophthalmic. You know, like I say, I understand where from the data, the way at least the way it was constructed, that it seems to, to correlate. Uh, in that they said, gee, the mildest group of those were just headaches, and those with visual loss are more likely to have a bad biopsy. You know, if they have a, a totally awful looking biopsy, I mean, if they wound up not responding, it might be interesting to look back and say, well, gee, this is like what Diaz said that patients who have a worse biopsy have worse disease. You know, so then it may, in retrospect, say, oh, gee, maybe I shouldn't be surprised that despite starting steroids, the other eye went, you know. But I certainly wouldn't modify my treatment based on this. You know, if I had somebody, you know, and at the most extreme example is you'll have patients, because, you know, they said the mildest ones were those without visual loss, and yet it's certainly well-described clinically. You'll have patients with visual loss who will have a negative biopsy, and there's no doubt they have temporal arteritis. Floyd, thanks for your comments. My pleasure. Ask questions of Dr. Diaz, Dr. Warren, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines. In the United States, dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275, or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.